Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. Welcome to Jazz Shapers, where the auteurs of the business world join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. I'm Elliot Moss. Our guest today is a war-winning entrepreneur and super young too. His name is BJ Molenga, founder and CEO of Super Network. Age 14, bored of the way business studies was taught, BJ convinced his head teacher to allow him and a few friends to run his school's first tuck shop. They made £15,000 in an academic year and have since gone on to franchise out the model to over 100 schools and 5,000 students studying for their GCSE business studies. Aged 18, BJ created Super Academy, an incubator, education and training platform for young entrepreneurs of his generation. And now it's part of the whole Super Network, a creative network connecting companies and brands with young, ambitious talent. Clients and corporate backers of Super Academy have included Facebook, Barclays and Pepsi Max, to name just a few. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me, Elliot. It's an absolute pleasure. Why did you think you wanted to fix something age 13. I think at that point it was a... Was it was it the first thing you did something to do with a doing up show. a... Yeah. yeah, what was it, doing up a, 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 a little club? Yeah, so um, I was part of a community centre which had programmes going on every day that young people in any area could um, attend and it was getting run down because it was built in the 70s and by the time we were approaching 2008, 2007, showing my age here, um, we, as the young teenagers who were living there, we, um, Where was this? Whereabouts? This is Brick Lane, okay. Hanbury Street, to be precise. Brady Art Centre is the name of the centre. We we found that a lot of times, sometimes the Mac were too old or the rooms, rehearsal rooms weren't that great. But for us, it was it was a playground. You were able to make things and just learn. So you don't know no better at that age. Um, and the tutors uh, told us that there was a pot of funding available for them to kind of order some new stock and also get some of the places like renewed and revamped mm-hmm. and on a third level get some funding for extra, extra curriculars to attend in the evenings um, me and my friend Christian helped write a pitch from a youth focus angle to send to the local mayor um, and we won the bid and that was like quite a, a, a monumental moment for me and Christian who was we learned anything you put your mind to it could happen even if it looks a bit far-fetched at the start it's very young though mate i yeah. guess my, my question is like, Which the reason that they told us about that is because the months before we we'd organized a talent show so there was a a hall that they had that fat that sat 200 people um two to 300 people and um we did our first one 200 and next one was 300 mm. so doing that made that they had kind of trust that we were doing good things and we knew how to kind of engage all the other young people locally but I'm sure that's true. My, I guess my question is, and I've got kids of 14, 12, 11, 6, and loads of others too. No, just those four, I think, um, as, far as, I, as far as I know. My, my thing is, at that age, though, to want to do stuff, yeah. what do you think that was about? What, where in your, as you were growing up, did you go, you know what, life's about getting on and doing things? Where, where do you think that came from? To be honest with you, Elliot, I think um, for me, at the time, we weren't thinking about it. Uh, seriously, it's only in hindsight that you look and you're like, whoa, like, where did you get the tenacity and the balls mm. to do something like that? Mm. For us, um, me and the friends that I was growing up with, because we were all entrepreneurial and all creative and everyone's doing other things now, um, a lot of us, we had an idea 
And if you give us an inch to make it happen, we go for it. Because you come from neighbourhoods where you don't normally get shot, you don't normally get an opportunity to do something. So when there is a facility that's in your local neighbourhood and they say, guys, you guys are doing well, you're performing well, you're, you're coming in every week and you're doing great, come to us with ideas of what you want to do, you don't tell me that two times. I will come to you with ideas. I'll sit there and mind map and come. And I made bills like that at school as well. It's like anytime you get given the opportunity to do something that you really like, if the teacher says, right, guys, we're going to have a, a drawing hour or we're going to do some sport, I want you guys to come up with a new game. I'm My nature, how I am, I was always someone who I, I love a challenge. I love being told to play around. I was never really good at building Lego. Like, I can't really build that many big Legos even till today. But I love... At, at least the attempt of trying to do something when someone gives me a challenge so the youth club telling us right you guys come here every week we've got some more additional funding there's opportunities for us to do stuff like all the tutors want to hear your ideas what you like to do you know we'll just do a talent show and like yeah cool okay let's make some merch let's and and that kind of open conversation I think helps a young person um, really build momentum and I've met a lot of young people who've also experienced that. There's also a lot of young people who haven't experienced that, but I must say, those of us who have had supportive tutors, parents, um, local youth club teachers who are openly asking you to contribute your ideas from an early age, it starts to build a habit of ideation, consultancy, and also creativity at its finest because you're kind of looking at it from a, a blank place and the world hasn't beat you up and given you all the constraints of what you can and can't do. You're kind of sat there thinking... Right, I've got 300 capacity venue there. We've got music, fashion, and an art class that happens every day. I know five of my friends are really talented. What could we do, you know? The first big thing you did, I mean, beyond that, which is obviously the first sort of unofficial big thing, but the first official big thing you did was this um, creating up a tuck shop and not just doing a one-off tuck shop at a school, but actually creating a model which many, many, many other schools could then take on. This is this is now you're all of age of 14. Mm. Tell me a little bit about what you did and what impact it's had. For sure. Um, so Super Tuck was one of my first babies. To be honest, before we did Super Tuck, I was planning on doing a clothing line. I did months and months of research. We were going to call it Supernova. I worked super hard on it, and um, we never really got the funding I needed to do it because as a 13, 14 year old I don't know where to go get funding I had a, I had a, a mentor tell me give me £100 to get my first order in but for me that wasn't enough because I wanted to do some special screen prints um, and do a launch event and I was always frustrated at the fact that I wasn't 18 yet so I couldn't put a party on yet um, so I decided to come up with um, a way to earn money at school rather than in the weekend because again you couldn't have a market stall yet you were at 16 uh, all of these challenges but I was quite inspired by um, I'd always watch Dragon's Den and Apprentice and watch the stories of people after they finish the show so you, we watched so many people who kind of come up with products and they'd come back and Peter Jones and James Kahn and Duncan Bannertown and Vimpy would go back and check out their investments and see how it developed and grew and I was just, always knew I wanted to do something um, where we were selling every day and getting live customer feedback. I didn't label it out of that, but that's a, the sense I knew I had inside me. At most schools in the UK, post Jamie Oliver's 2007 revolution of food, um, a lot of schools stopped selling snacks at lunchtime. So I was one of the first kind of generations where there's <laughs> a lot of students who are familiar with going to school and having the older guys in year 11 or year 10, if in year 7, selling foods out of their backpack 
for me, that's a black market because if the students get caught, teachers confiscate it and they might even get in trouble. And I always saw it growing up in year seven, year eight, year nine. And when I was year 10, age 14, I was tempted to go into that market because I know that's a good way to, A, bring product to, to the market every day, sell, make some margin and learn something quite fun. But I didn't want to have the risk of investing in tons of food and loads of backpacks and then getting it all confiscated. That's just a high-risk, high-reward game. Um, so I, I went to the, the school teacher and told her an idea to open a school shop run by students. She said, no, flat out. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's quite crazy for a student to come and tell you they're going to do that. And then I, um, I went back to her, spoke to her two, three more times, and I started to put into practice what I was learning in business studies. I told her about the black market that we had, told her about seasonality of product that I could learn to sell, told her about the business class I was sitting in at the time and the fact that we hadn't had an enterprise program to teach us anything. There was a few programs being taught in school, but none of them were with a bit of a schedule or a bit of regard. It was kind of too open. So a lot of students always kind of reverted to selling photo, photo albums and memorabilia. Like people don't really get on with anything quite massive. Um, and once I started talking that language, she t- she started to take me a lot more seriously. She brought me into a senior leadership meeting. And at the time, I didn't understand the significance, but to be a student at school, age 14, and to be in a meeting after school with the two assistant head teachers and all the heads of years, and to pitch your idea, that was very, very powerful. You, but I, I was just going with the flow at the time. You, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking this. You've made me completely nervous and you've taken me back to school. And I'm thinking that would be very, very scary. Let me ask you a quick question before we go um, into some advice from, from one of our partners at Michigan. How did you get through that? What was the secret of your success at that moment? If you can just give it, capture it in a nutshell. I suppose how, how did you pull it off? That's I was doing drama studies at the time, so I looked at it as a drama performance. What is it you're selling? What is it you want to do? And also English at the time, we were learning about PE, which is point, evidence, explanation. So I went in my presentation and said, look, this is the problem we have at school. This is the opportunity of upskilling young students in class. And this is what I propose we do. And it was just that simple as a pitch. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you make a new business happen. <laughs> point, evidence, explanation thank you very much from the from the words from the mouths of babes much more coming up from bj melengas in a couple of minutes but first we're going to hear as i promised just a moment ago from one of our partners in michigandre some advice i hope maybe as pointy as that maybe not for your business hi my name is andrew goldstone and i'm a partner in the tax group at michigandre my advice for any entrepreneur at any stage of business is to become tax aware even if you're a startup, do spend the time and money. A couple of hours on the web can teach you a lot about what tax structures are out there. And then when you do go and see your tax advisor, you'll be prepared. You won't be paying good money just to be told the basics. Instead, you'll get tailored tax advice on what really makes sense for you and your business. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. BJ Malunga is my business shaper today. Founder of the Super Network, founder of Super Tuck, founder and fixer of um, a, a place for young people to be back in the day, well, 10 whole years ago, a decade BJ has passed since you first, your first foray into doing stuff. So Super Tuck is created, you've pitched perfectly, you've done it, you've nailed it, you make, I think, £15,000 in the mm. first year. 
You then export that, and that becomes the model for other schools. Tell me about then further education, because I think at this point you must be going, I can just go and do businesses. What's the point of studying more? Mm. But you did attempt university. You, you signed up for it. You finished. Yep. Uh, and, and I read here, it said here, I think it's on your LinkedIn profile, did a term full stop, hated it full stop, that's all, full stop. That's all. <laughs> so so from there you went all right that's not for me and yeah so what, I, was, what I, was, I was the first year where or the second year where we had to pay nine thousand pounds a year and i'd always been fascinated with university i always thought i was going to go to university i wanted to do an mba i left gccs with four star six a's so i wasn't like a, a shy student i was definitely smart at times in the, the courses i was doing um and the big thing for me was the understanding that i now had the business that we were operating um, that was working with 100 schools. I had staff um, working with me. We had an office in Brick Lane. And I would leave work to go to sit in a class to be lectured by someone who hadn't been in business for 20 years. That didn't make sense to me. So there was no dynam- dynamism in the course I was doing. Um, none of the top Russell Group universities teach business as a BA at the time. I don't know what the curriculum was like now. So you're not going there to study it. And I was like, oh, there's a reason that doesn't happen. Everything that they taught was economics and management. And I was just wanting to do business every day. So I took the big decision to walk away from the course and focus on the business. And there was a, a very fun year of learning a lot, a lot. And um, we, we chopped and changed and did lots of different enterprises. So whilst a lot of my student friends were at university for those three years, in those three years, I set up a UK's first bottle market. I built a music business. One of our clients was Sam McCall's record label and worked with X Factor contestants. I managed an artist and did a startup show at Jazz Cafe. We um, set up a consultancy for investment firms. So I my, my degree was kind of designed by myself and I'm definitely a fan of education because I was only able to do all of those things by attending conferences, reading books, reading articles, reading journals, meeting others who've been successful in different fields mm-hmm. and getting varied perspectives. But the key in all of that was a big curiosity and continuous learning. I think my fatuation with further education, even though I stepped away, I've now been brought back to kind of look at the post-18 education space and how we self-teach ourselves, because that's been a big, big, big factor in my development as an entrepreneur and as a thinker. Well, I think, I think it strikes me now, you think about the businesses you're running now, the super network, which is um, overseas, you know, uh, uh, sits over your super black book business, your super campus business, your super coaching business, your super label business, your super talent business. I mean, all of it is about, as you said, it's about harnessing and helping young people, but also being very commercial. Yes. And this is a good thing. And they need help. And what, you're, what you've done, it sounds like you've taken the little snippets of the things that work for you and you've really tried to scale that mm. and make it possible. What's the biggest challenge right now for you? I suppose the biggest challenge for me right now is, um, and as most entrepreneurs, is just to be laser focused on what we're doing. Because we always come up with a lot of new exciting products and new people come up that you want to invest in. But sometimes you've got to go for a season of just build and the season I'm in, we were flat out working super every day um, and taking time off when we need to take that time off, but not not working on three or four different brands as I have in the past. I've just got one thing I'm doing and trying to do it at the best capacity I can. So just let's let's just get clear. All these you, you've worked with lots of different organisations, the UN, a bit of Barclays, a bit of Velos Partners. I mean, <laughs> a list that people twenty years older than you would go, well, that's pretty impressive. And I know you've dipped in and seen stuff. 
You've got an extraordinary amount of experience. You've now created this network. Tell me a little bit about the biggest part of the super network, where you spend most of your time, because as you said, you need to focus. Mm -hmm. In the ideal world, in BJ's heavenly world, yeah. what's BJ doing uh, versus what you're kind of doing now? Yeah, yeah. look, ideal world is what we're doing now. Ideal world is making sure that the business is efficient, the staff that we've got on have got everything they need to kind of execute on what we've committed to clients. Um, and, and just tell me a little bit about the clients. You're working with big brands, aren't you? Yeah, we work with big brands and small brands. Give us a couple of names um, that you're... So some stuff's on the NDA, so we can't announce until they get announced. But the stuff that I can announce is um, working with Apple. So we're curating a lot of entrepreneurial experiences for creative entrepreneurs in the UK. So we've got talks and masterclasses and workshops happening. Um, and then we also work on Facebook and delivering a curriculum that they've designed over the last year to 5,000 students in England over the next year. So that's an example of the work that we do. Um, so we do a lot of coaching, a lot of programs. Um, we're also starting to work with a lot of clients where we look at their employer branding, so how they are perceived, because a lot of the work that happens with diversity and inclusion happens internally with staff, mm. but also there's also diversity and kind of application that needs to happen. So we're starting to roll out services that help companies attract better talent. Are you doing that a lot on the diversity and inclusion side? I mean, are you finding that you're being tapped up more and more for yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. I, I think everything's interlinked. Um, our specialism is, is in working to help people to become more awesome as long as we're doing that, whether it's in a, in a shape of a half day or a one day or mm. a, a week span or a year program. I think that's the kind of barometer of success. Like, well, how was a person when they came and met or interacted with myself or a coach of my team or one of my um, kind of extended networks and what journey have they been on? Um, that really is what's most important to us from a, a social impact perspective, and that's also important commercially. Because if you can keep if you keep finding awesome people and keep supporting their development, you can do business with them. You can get them working with some really exciting brands around the world, and, and that's really what we're about. This program started seven years ago, and at that point, obviously, the whole entrepreneurial thing was happening in the UK a lot more, and people tapped into it, and we and we indeed created this program for that very reason. It's coincided with you and your focus on entrepreneurs, and that's not it's not a coincidence. Mm. The Super Campus bit part of the business. This is the twelve week business accelerator stuff. You're, I'm imagining again, you're seeing more demand for this from big corporates. They're mm. saying we've got ideas, but we're a bit stuck. We've got a big structure. Help inject some energy into this. Yeah. What does that look like? What, is, what have you learned and how many years have you been doing this for? Is that, that's a few years, this, this yeah. particular thing. So we, we've been testing different models of working entrepreneurs for the last couple of years, away from the SuperDuck stuff. So we did a series of pop-up shops with River Island and Barclays and that was looking at like very, very early entrepreneurial startups and how they can support them and what energy they can bring into their organisation. And then we started doing a lot more consultancy with other accelerators across last year and this year we opened up our first own curated accelerator um was that the one with the office in, group yeah in partnership with the office group and charlie which, green's been on the program we, obviously and we both know him well yeah which is which was a, a good a good testing bed for us to kind of understand and see what what is the right way to support businesses as they are developing but also on the flip side with corporates um there's a lot who are trying to kind of speak to them from an insurance perspective, banking perspective, from a PR, of an accountancy and legal perspective. So I think there's a, a symbiotic relationship that can develop with big corporates and young enterprises that are making noise in industry. I think one of our businesses was featured in Daily Telegraph this week. Another one of our businesses is currently curating all the music across a few cruises happening around the world. So some some, some of the businesses are doing really, really exciting things and um, we're starting to see the fruits of our kind of coaching and mentoring come to life. 
but also their own hard work. Stay with me for my final chat with BJ. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Mr George Benson. That's in just a moment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was George Benson with The World Is A Ghetto. I saw him live in the summer. He was pretty fantastic and out of this world, actually. BJ Malenga is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. Uh, 2016, you became, quote-unquote, the youngest person to receive the Queen's Award for Enterprise Promotion. And based on just some of the things we've touched on, I'm not surprised. You're wise for your years, uh, and it seems to me like you're on a bit of a social mission as well as a commercial mission. What does success look like for you in the next three to five years? How are you going to be shaping what you're doing? So I think success for me looks like happiness in day-to-day activity of what we're, we're pushing. So I've had projects where I've walked away from it. I walked away from marketing business earlier this year. Because if there's no passion there really for me, you know, money only takes you so far. You need to be excited about the work you're doing. Really, really excited. Yes, times get hard. But if you can't say that to yourself, you know, most days of the week because that most days of the week turns into most days of the month and that turns into most months of the year. Um, I understand, you know, a notion of rolling up your sleeves, which I always do, but you need to be really in sync with the purpose of why you're doing it because it's going to get tough. Business is always tough. Mm. So when it gets tough, BJ, who do you go to? Who gives you great advice? When is, when business is tough, you know, I think what's, what's changed about the world now is we have so many resources on our phone. You can go on Instagram and follow many entrepreneurial influencers. You can go on Google and watch documentaries. You can listen to podcasts and find out how people built stuff. You can go and find specialist courses on project management, on HR. You can also call advisors online and meet people. So for me, I, I, I do all of the above. So if I have a HR issue... I look at a few things, I pick what I want to do as option A and option B and I test and then we quickly come up with solutions and I do that across all departments of my business, even when I'm looking at my own leadership team or my own style. And let me ask you a question, another one then, in terms of, and I think that's right, basically you're saying there's no excuses, there's stuff out there, get self-sufficient, get on with it and yeah. if you need the human thing as well, you've got it, but there's a, you're, you're right and that wasn't the case um, 15, yeah. even, even five years ago. Probably, yeah, well, yeah. It's changed dramatically. What about the most um, common bit of advice you end up giving? So someone comes along, they're 18, 19, they look at BJ and they go, wow, he's a mm. god. He's done stuff. He's already on it. He understands. He learns. He's curious. Yeah. What is the thing that you need to say to people most often? What do you hear yourself saying to young entrepreneurs? I always say to people, trust your gut. <laughs> trust your gut because that's where your purpose is and where you're actually, well, that, that's telling you what you're inspired by because you, you're just going to keep getting the same feeling to do the same. Those urges are going to keep coming whenever you're trying to doubt yourself or trying to do something. You know, oh, I know the market needs this, but I don't know how to attack it. Just keep chipping at it. And then part two of that, same comment, is patience. It's all a process. Patience. A lot of people want to start something and, you know, make 10 million or 100 million tomorrow. That's not how it works. You know, you might have to, for six months, have a side job that gets you a £1,000 a month and allows you to move around London. But it means that you are out of action three days a week from nine to six. But those two days you have off, 
And also those three days in the evening, you're able to go super hard at the enterprise you want to build and you can focus on revenue generation or getting that product to a level it needs to be at so they can go to market. And as money starts coming in, you start making some profits, you can build. And that that's, that could take, you know, a week, one month, but that could also take six months, it could take a year. So don't be afraid to be patient, keep building up. And as you're building up, you'll be able to access and manage, you know, sustained cash flow to put yourself on a bit of a salary and then get yourself some assistance. And also you can delegate out stuff that pe- before people needed to have, you know, teams of 10 or 20, you can now have a copywriter who's based in Bristol and have a web developer who's based in Paris or based in Manchester working with you. Even for myself, when I was doing SuperTuck and I was going through college, I worked in retail, I worked at Selfridges um, and I worked for other retailers to support myself to make sure that the money the business was making, we were putting it back in and enabling us to grow. But I wasn't going without eating. And luckily, that jobs I was doing was more on the weekend. So I knew I'd dedicate my weekends to work. You can have the evenings to kind of hang out with people two, three times a month. But most weekends I'm working from first from the crack of dawn until the evening. Um, and then during the week when I wasn't at college, because you you're not always there, nine to six, it meant I could talk and communicate with schools during their prime business hours. So try to find a side gig that works for the industry you're going into. It wouldn't make sense for you to have a job or every Monday to Friday full time and you, your your clients are not available when you when you want to talk to them at 6pm. But if that's what you need to do to transition, then that's advice I give to all entrepreneurs because it is tough and it's, you know, we've got help rent, we've got commitments, we've got family, there's a lot of things that people need to pay for. And um, sometimes I meet entrepreneurs who sometimes just forget to make sure they're earning something every month or not humble enough to just have a little side gig. You don't need to shower it to the world, but just have something because that will breed confidence and people will see you relax when you're entering a deal. Wow, there you go. Well, if you were taking notes, that would have been a good idea because you just kind of mapped out exactly what I think uh, people need to think about as they go forward. Thank you. BJ, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed listening to you and you are uh, wise, a wise man already. And I'm really good luck with your 100 million because obviously you wouldn't say no if that happened to happen in the next five, ten years, would you? I would never say no. I didn't think you would. Um, Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Um, I I sent two songs, didn't I? Which songs did we... You can only have one, BJ. Always. Let's go for the Quincy Jones option. Is that the one you want? And why would you like to go for Quincy Jones? And which one is it? I'm I'm a hip-hop head, and that's what I grew up on, and then grind music in the UK. And a lot of hip-hop has jazz references, um, especially from Kanye and Dre times of production from 1990 to like maybe late 2010. This is my my period. Your period. Um, So growing up, you know, you (laughs) might listen to a song and you don't even know where it really come from. So the song I've chosen today is Quincy Jones, Soul Booster Nova. Um, It's been referenced in a few hip hop tracks over the years and I've always loved going back and finding the original. So without further ado, this is Quincy Jones, Soul Booster Nova. was Quincy Jones with Soul Bossanova, the song choice of my business shaper today, BJ Malenga. What a super impressive young guy. 
Happiness, he said, really important. You've got to love what you do. Test stuff. If you don't know if it's going to work, test, test A and test B and see what happens. And trusting your gut and patience, the two things when I asked him what entrepreneurial advice he gives to people, those are the two things that come up the most. Trust your gut, go with it, and don't expect the big money to come really quickly. It just doesn't. That's it from Jazz Shapers. Have a fantastic weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazz shapers.